Thank you for playing. That was great. Yeah. A well-deserved round of applause. Kind of a background on this week. We thought we had uh, so, uh, Kelly and her family are out of town, and, and we were trying to figure out who was going to play, and we thought we had somebody uh, else to, to come in and, and cover, and then that fell through, and so we were looking around, and, and finally Heather just said, yeah, I'll just do it. So thanks. That was awesome. Very nicely done. Uh, so welcome to Communitas Church. We are a church that exists to love God, to love people, and, be, and build disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. Uh, my name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here. And uh, what we have just done is we've just worshipped through singing. So we worship in many different ways, and we're called to worship with God in, in all of our life. And so we've, we've just worshipped through singing. Earlier today, we worship just by gathering together to wake up today and say, I'm going to make the conscious choice to come and be around uh, other members of, of the body uh, for my benefit and their benefit and the service of one another uh, so that we can come and gather together so that we can scatter and go out in the world and continue to build disciples. Um, and so we've worshiped in that way. And we're about to worship through listening to the proclamation of God's word. We're going we're to read out of that, and then I'm going to talk about it for a little while. And then we're going to worship through singing again. We worship through the tithes and our offerings, just giving of, of what God has stewarded us and, and trusted us and, and trusting him with that. Uh, but now we're also going to worship through communion. Uh, we do that every week here. And there are different faith traditions throughout, or different uh, kind of expressions of Christianity that celebrate it differently. Some daily, some weekly, some monthly, some biannually. But common to all expressions of the Christian faith is this notion of communion, this coming together in some sort of feast with one another. And sometimes the bread is softer, sometimes the juice tastes different. And, uh, and there, there's different kind of ceremonial expressions that go along with it. But it's common throughout all of us. It's what binds us together. So today, as we partake in communion, there are churches all throughout the Brainerd Lakes area, all throughout central Minnesota, throughout Minnesota, the Midwest, the U.S., North America, the Americas, all the continents across the globe. There are people this morning that are going to gather together and share communion with one another. And we take part in that. And it helps us to remember that we're not alone in this journey, that sometimes things are difficult, but we have a call to be with one another and that we're called to be for one another. And another unique part about communion, not just the, the communal aspect, but also the mission aspect that it brings about. And it's this notion that when we come forward to the communion table, that we're reaffirming our belief in Jesus as Lord. And we're saying that, Lord, you are indeed more than just a teacher, more than just somebody that said some good stuff and did some nice things, but you're the Lord of my life. And I subject myself to that, whatever that means and whatever the cost, because you've done the same. And so as we do this, we, we reaffirm and we kind of restate that, yes, Lord, you are indeed the Lord of my life. And in doing that, we also encourage one another as we head out. And so one of the ways, or the way that we do this here is we practice what's called open communion. So if you are a member of this church or you are not a member of this church, that's fine. You are welcome to come to the table as long as you profess and would say that Jesus is Lord of your life. Now, if you are a Christian, if you're following Jesus, you are welcome to come to this table. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a few moments in silence and, and in reflection 
and knowing that not everybody here would say that Jesus is Lord. We know that we have some people that you're just coming in off the street and you're going, yeah, I'm just kind of kicking this whole Christianity thing around. I'm not really sure. I don't really know. I haven't read much scripture. I don't know about this Jesus. I'm just here in hopes that I'll know and that somebody can help explain. And uh, we're going to do that a little bit later. But in this time of silence, in this time of reflection, just go ahead and, and listen and, and ask that the Holy Spirit would, would speak to you and reveal a little truth about who God is. For the rest of us, let's take some time to think about who God is. He's our creator. He's our king. And he called us to live life in a, in a specific way. And, and let's ponder a while Jesus' life, the way that he, he bore our, our sins and, and carried the cross, not just on Calvary, not just in the last few days of his life, but throughout the duration of his ministry. And then in, 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 in leaving us in body but, but remaining in spirit, we have the Holy Spirit which seeks to guide us as we choose to listen. And so let's ask the Holy Spirit to, to tune, our, tune our ears to be able to hear better and that it might tune our hearts and transform our lives. And so we're going to take some time just in silence. We don't have a set amount of time. We're just going to linger here. And as you're ready... Come on forward. We have the elements put out to your left and to your right. Come up and grab a cup of the juice and the crackers and bring it back to your table, or excuse me, bring it back to your seats, and we'll all, I'll read from Scripture and we'll all partake together. And so, Lord, what is, you know, who am I? Who are you? What have you done? And as a result, what should I do? Pondering the life of Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us what we ought to do and more about who we are. And then come on forward, bring it back to your seat, and we'll all partake together. So Lord, we thank you that you call us to this table, that you offer it to us, you set out the banquet before us, and the call is simply obedience. And we thank you that by your grace we're able to do that, And we pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that our hearts would be further tuned to your praise. As we sit and we listen, Lord, when we be mindful of those around us, the circumstances of their world, also show us what's going on within us, the sins that we hide, some of the sins that are blatant before us. May we deal with those. May you continue to transform us as you welcome us to your table. The last time that Jesus was together with all of the disciples, all of his friends, these guys that he'd been walking around with for a few years, they celebrate this, this traditional and sacred meal in the Jewish faith. And, and Jesus kind of takes a few of the words and he turns them a little bit so that people can see a little bit more clearly about what the life of the follower of his is, is supposed to be. And then he takes this bread and he blesses it and he gives it to them and says, take and eat. This is my body. And later in the meal, when he given thanks, he, and he, take, he take in the cup 
and he gave it, given thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your, your broken body, but also for your resurrection, the forgiveness of our sins, the invitation into abundant life. We thank you that you continue to call us around this table daily, weekly, monthly, throughout the year to remember you and to live our lives in reflection of the example that you've sent, that you've, you've set for us. Amen. If the ushers would, we've got some blue buckets that'll come around. Feel free to pitch your cups in there. I'll get those out of the way for you. Kids, I'm sorry. Last week, you all didn't get to hear the story that we read together. That was a bummer. That was my mistake. This week, we're not going to forget that. We're going to go ahead and read before we let you all go out. But now, does anyone remember, especially the kids, does anybody remember a few months ago, like back in March, February, when it was still kind of cold outside, we did that casket empty thing? Do any of the kids remember that? Do any of the adults remember that? That was a long time ago. All right, so casket empty. Now, so just kind of this is, you know, when you you have that teacher that that slides the answers in kind of cryptically throughout the course and, you know, says stuff like, well, casket empty stands for creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile, temple, expectations, Messiah, Pentecost teaching, and yet to come. And then he says, hey, do you guys remember that? And you're like, yeah, I think I do, right? Okay, so kids, can you, can you help me help the adults? We're going to really slowly go through casket empty because not everybody was here the whole time. And, uh, and we want to just make sure that everybody gets caught up to speed because we're going we're gonna to read chapters 8, 9, and 10 today. And that's kind of a big chunk for me to sit through. And I know that if I were you know, little... I might get some wiggles, so we want to you know, spend some time doing that. But it's important for us to remember these large, just as it was important for us to see in, in the Casket Empty series, kind of the overarching arc of, of the story of Scripture. And in, the, um, in Matthew's account today, it's important to see the whole chunk. And I remember thinking, gosh, do we just read little sections of it? Um, you know, because sometimes it's nice when we get to just really break things down microscopically, but it's also nice to kind of take that 30,000 foot view to be able to see the grandeur. Bob was talking about Mount Rushmore. I think if you got really close to George Washington's nose, it wouldn't be that impressive. It'd just be kind of like some gray rocks. But it's when we're, when we're able to stand back that we're able to see the intricate detail and we're able to understand why it's so impressive. And so let's review real quick, and, and you know, for those of you who were here, and then for those of you who weren't, that's cool. We'll catch you all up later, and that, that is okay. So casket empty, so the overarching narrative of Scripture, an easy acronym to remember, and remember it's not the only one, just a one, was creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, Exile, Temple, Expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, Teaching, and Yet to Come. I, yeah, you guys are, yeah, 
there's some kids out there. I can hear them. They're, they're doing better than I am, and I love it. Well, absolutely love it. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about Sinai in a little bit, but if I could get uh, George and Kathy and Seth to come on up, I decided I didn't want to, you know, sometimes I get somebody with a bunch of names. I figured I should at least spread it all out. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read 8, 9, and 10. And all three of y'all can, can come on up here. Um, if you have a paper Bible and want to follow along there, that's fine. If you have a mobile device and you want to follow along there, feel free to take that out and tap swipe or do whatever you need to do for that. If neither of those two options are preferable for you, feel free to follow along on the screen behind us. And whenever you all are ready. So we got, we got Mr. George Badeau. Is going to start us off with chapter 8. Mr. Seth Spiegel is going to follow him up. And then uh, bat and clean up for us is Miss Kathy Badeau. Matthew chapter 8. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law, lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. 
And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance, at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Matthew chapter 9, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid. And they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Wine if it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed." But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. 
Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And as Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go, no, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is not worthy, let your peace come upon it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. 
for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in town, in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Bezabil, how much more will they malign those of, this house, of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. For what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he's a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Thank you, Seth and George and Kathy. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are, uh, in this country, free to read it uh, without fear. And pray that the truths lie within these words would be revealed to us, that we would see them and obey them. Amen. And thank you to all of you for sitting through that. I know there are not many places in America where we sit in silence for as long as we do during communion, nor that we uh, sit and listen to someone read to us for that long of a time. So you all did well. Kids, you did amazing today. Very proud of you. You taught us casket empty. You listened to three whole chapters of the Bible. All right, way to go. So this is the time of our service where you get to head out that other door and Kristen and Sandy 
have a great lesson planned for you, and so we thank you for Kristen and for Sandy. We pray that you would bless the words that come out of their mouth today as they teach these little children. We thank you for Kelly and her assistance, getting everyone together. Lord, we thank you for trusting us uh, with the lives and the souls of these young ones. We pray that uh, by your will and through your word and the power of the Holy Spirit that we would embody uh, your example of what it is to be holy and demonstrate it to these kids. Okay, so why the casket empty review? Well, first, is anyone a barbershop or like a doo-wop fan? Dell Vikings? Anybody? Maybe you need a little refresher that you know, dum, 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 be doo, be dum, 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 come and go with me, dum, dum. Nobody? Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. So now we got some Dell Vikings fans in here. There we are. All right. So come and go with me. I mean, I think that that song was playing in my head the entire time that I was reading this uh, in preparation for this because we see the way that, that Jesus calls the people come and then tells them, go, come, go, come, go. And there's this, this back and forth rhythm. And, then, and we see that uh, in, in the scriptures today here where Calling these people come to Jesus, and then he tells the disciples to go. Um, but so why the why the casket empty review? Uh, well, I wanted to to bring us back. As I said, sometimes it's it's nice when we, you know we're going to get into some specific words later today, and we're going to look kind of microscopically. But then we're also going to look. You know, three chapters is going to kind of span a little bit of an arc. But then, then there's this much bigger arc that goes on, you know, the, the story of casket empty and, and how that invites us to be a part of that story. And so I want us to kind of review and remember uh, back to Sinai. I think it was, you know, February, March-ish. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to think back. You know, we get, that, we get that late season storm, and so nobody really wants to think about winter. Um, but, you know, so March is totally blocked out. And hopefully you didn't forget entirely about Sinai and what happened there. And, and as we went in through this Bible overview, and if you're interested in brushing up, Mike does have it on the podcast for us. And so what we, what we saw in Sinai was, was the story of Moses leading the people out of, the, out of Egypt into the wilderness. And then and on the mountainside, he gets the Ten Commandments from the Lord and, and teaches the people. And that was kind of what Matthew is this whole time has been trying to, to show us that Jesus is the better Moses and he's in the fulfillment of all these prophecies. And so the more you, you familiarize yourself with the Old Testament, the more that Matthew is going to come alive, especially if you can spend some time in the Torah or if, you're, if your Bible has, um, if you, as you read through, sometimes it'll have little letters in brackets in the words and then those letters will correspond to something at the bottom of the page. Sometimes there's different Old Testament scripture references throughout Matthew. If you go back today and just throughout this week, if you have a, if you have a chance to go and just l- look at the Old Testament scripture references from 8 through 10, I think that you'll really find yourself quite blessed and and um, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be pretty neat. Um, really kind of opens up a few things. So let's review because we, you know, so we just spent about 10 minutes reading through Scripture. So if I can just summarize that a little bit for us uh, as, as Matthew is writing to this mainly Jewish audience trying to pr- show them that, hey, so the Messiah that was going to come is going to be better than Moses. And so he's going to say, I'm, this Jesus, I'm going to show you that he's better than Moses. And so what does he do? So he, 
so he, uh, he heals some people, a leper, a centurion, Peter's mother-in-law, calms a storm, uh, casts out a few demons, talks a little bit to the disciples about what all is going on. If you're a note taker, uh, you, you could call these miracles the five miracles of grace. That kind of summarizes chapter 8. And then in chapter 9, we're going to see a few more. Jesus continues to do some miracles. And um, he does, does a few more, and, and he calls Matthew. This is where Matthew, the author of this book, gets written in here. And so Jesus is walking by, sees him at his tax booth, and says, Come. And so Matthew goes, and he follows Jesus. And if you're a note-taker, you could write down that these are the five miracles of freedom. What's five plus five? Ten, right? If we're working in a base ten operating system, five plus five is ten. How many plagues did, did the Lord bring on Egypt through Moses around the period of Sinai? How many commandments did the Lord give Moses to give to the people at Mount Sinai? Ten. Most of Jesus' audience was going to be pretty familiar with the Torah. Some of them would have had it all memorized. So the first five books of the Old Testament, unlock, like in memory. Pretty impressive. I'm not even close to that. I think I could tell you the first couple words of Genesis. After that, it gets fuzzy. So they would have had this lockdown. Does, math, does Matthew's order of this suddenly have your attention? And so he's, he's, he's making these, these connections, and we see that Jesus heals, and he teaches. And then he, he calls the disciples together, and he says, hey, um, you're this kind of ragtag bunch of, bunch of folks, but you each have, well, you have some differences, you also have a bunch of strengths. And I know that if I'm, I'm starting an organization and I'm sending a bunch of people out, it might be nice to get the really educated and you know, kind of go after the Ivy League elite. And Jesus is like, yeah, but in my kingdom, that isn't how we do things. I'm going to send you out. And then he gives them a couple of warnings. He says, I've got this plan. I want you to go out to these people and, uh, and it's going to be a little bit rough at times, but I'm with you. And I'm going to leave you my spirit. And I've knit you together and I've created you in such a way that you'll be useful in glorifying my name. And I've also set you among a group of people. Go out with them. And so we see this good shepherd and his lost sheep. And then he also tells us that he's not going to ask us to go anywhere or do anything that he hasn't already done or won't do in the future. As, you, as we read through the, kind of that dialogue that Kathy read, we see that these are all things that Jesus will do. He's betrayed by one of his best friends and he goes to the cross. So as, he, as he's speaking this, he knows this is happening and this isn't foreign to them and he knows that it's going to get a little bit rugged for them when they're out there. All right, so let's take a look at, uh, at chapter 8. I want to talk a little bit more about these at a little bit greater depth. So we talked about how there's this 10 plagues, 10 commandments, 10 miracles, and, and how that all kind of fits together and the advantages of looking at that 
uh, in, in kind of the larger chunks of Scripture. Another thing that the, that Moses, that the, the people that would have been very familiar with this story, um, and if you're into the Old Testament at all, or if you've read much of that, you may remember that the tabernacle uh, is arranged in a certain way, a very particular way. And it was very special to the people because it was you know, how you got close to God. And so one of the ways that, that the tabernacle was ordered was that, you know, so if you're coming to come and see, you know, you're going to come and get close to the Lord in the tabernacle. If you were a leper, okay, not only did you have to announce to yourself, to the world around you, unclean, 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 you know, because, I mean, how's that going to be for your psyche, really? Like, we're going to talk about positive self-talk? Yeah, this is not an advantage. So you, you've got to stop at a gate. So it's like you're going to, the, going to like a Twins game or a Vikings game or whatever else, and you come and, and you'd get to that, to that outer gate, and then, oh, you can, you can stop here. Okay, so you're, you're going to stay outside, and you, you might be able to kind of like peek through the revolving door but not really see in. After that, you could get, maybe you could get through the gate, but then all of a sudden, oh, you're, you're a Gentile? Yeah, you, you, you've got to wait right here. So maybe now you're like walking the mezzanine. Right? Like you, can, you can hear and you're there and you can feel, but it's, it's not really the same. And then if you, if you were a woman, you see you're, you're continuing on, so maybe you're not a leper, you're not a Gentile, but oh, you're a woman, now there, there's another court for that. There's another gate and you, you've got to stop there. So if you weren't a leper and you weren't a Gentile and you weren't a woman, then you could walk the rest of the way and get down in the field, you could get, behind, you could get there and you could, you could experience the kingdom. You could be in the presence of the king. To whom does Jesus go? What does Matthew show that Jesus goes to here? The leper, the Gentile, and the woman. The cast-off and the forlorn that the world had forgotten. Jesus is bidding them come, and he says, if you can't come to me, I will go to you. We see that throughout the rest of chapter 8. He's going to go to the cowardly and to the oppressed, and he's going to heal them. people on the outside, the forgotten. We're going to read about some disciples who are caught in a storm that they can see and about two men that are in the midst of a storm that is unseen. And Jesus and his kingdom speak to, come into, and heal both kinds. Let's take a look at chapter 9. So that Jesus heals a paralytic. This girl that's restored heals these two blind men. And all these, like there's just this audacious ask, right? Like just, just huge. Uh, we'll read in, in Mark's account of this paralytic. His friends dig through the roof to drop their friend down to where Jesus is. 
Like, can you imagine? Can you just, just picture that. You're walking along. You know this guy is inside this house. The house is packed. And you think, I could either A, wait. I could B, crowd surf him in there, but he's paralyzed. So watch out. That might not go very well. He won't be able to catch himself. So you think, C, I've got a great idea. I'll carve a hole in the roof and drop him down. You're either bold or you're crazy or a little bit of both. And then we think about this woman who's been bleeding for a long, 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 long time. And she sees this crowd and she knows, I got one shot. I got one shot at being whole, at being whole and being healed. And if I can just touch the fringe of his garment, I will be healed. And she does that and she's healed. And this is also an interesting just kind of side caveat about Jesus. So we read here, so the, the fringe of his garment. So we, we read that, that Jesus was actually a, I think sometimes we, we perceive him to be this kind of rebellious hippie guy that walked around and kind of just disregarded all the sacred rules. But we read here that the fringe of his garment, so it would have been common for a, a righteous Jewish man to have a fringe on his garment and there would be four tassels and so what's implied here is that the woman is reaching out and she's touching one of these four tassels. And those four tassels were there to remind that man of something. The healing power of God. And so here we have a leper, a Gentile, a woman, some people that are inside of a, an external crisis and an internal crisis, and some people that have been that are just trying to get to Jesus and they'll do anything that they can so that they can be healed. And it's interesting following the Sermon on the Mount, it's pretty common for people to think, yeah, Jesus is a good teacher. He said some good things. What are the lessons that we can learn in 8 and 9? Does he give us any really great advice or does he just show that I'm not just your teacher? I'm your Lord. And I've come to heal you. And I've come to call you back into communion with me. I've come to show you how to live. And I'm going to call you and ask you to do some wild and audacious things. And in chapter 10, he gives us a lesson of the Sermon on the Mount. And then in chapter 10, this is kind of this long discourse where he says, okay, this was how I wanted you to live. This is kind of, uh, if I can just kind of give you a picture of what the kingdom is going to be. Here's how we're going to do it. And he gives them a really specific plan. He says, hey, first go to the Jews because we're going to fulfill what the prophecies say. We're going to be obedient to the will of my Father. So first go to the Jews. And if that doesn't work well, then go to the Gentiles. And he gives them four specific verbs. He says, I want you to go. I want you to proclaim. I want you to heal. And I want you to cast out. So just keep it simple. Just go proclaim, heal, and cast out. And I think it's interesting that he calls this group, right? So if we read at the, at the beginning of chapter 10, and he just he gives them authority, and he just lists these guys out, and you're just going, man, like, you know, what's so special about this group? Like, what, what's, what's unique? Nothing. That's the point. There isn't anything magical or special or superpower about these guys. It's just they're unique because of the way that the Lord has made them. And then he calls them together. And he says, 
I'm going to be your, I'm going to be the head. He's taught them how to pray. And he says, I've, I've wired you together and I've knit you in, a, in such a way to go out and to accomplish my purposes. And how? Well, I want you to do it together. Because few things are as refining as, as doing life with one another for a long period of time. And as we've said in the past, and, and if you've done any hiking, you might remember that if you want to go, f- go far, or if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So it's interesting that Jesus says, I'm your head. Prayer will be your guide. I've knit you uniquely. And I've, I've made you a communal people. And so he doesn't just, you know, I mean, he's God, right? Like, he could just do this if he wants to. But he says, no, 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 I'm going I'm to get a team together because my kingdom isn't a solo sport. My kingdom is about people. And it's not just about me showing off, but it's about transformation of those around me. And so he says, go to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Go, proclaim, heal, and cast out. And if we look through chapters 8 and 9, we'll see that all areas of human pain are mission material. It isn't just a Bible study that brings people to the Lord. It isn't just a popular podcast, but we can meet people and intersect in their lives at, at any point and through a, a multitude of different ways. And it's not all supposed to be social, right? Our communities should be missional, and our mission should be communal. And Jesus says, hey, look, you're going to get out there and um, betrayal, opposition, and division. That's not a possibility. That's, that's a guarantee. And we see that he is going to know and experience this firsthand. And as we'll get later on uh, in the coming months, we'll see more of this where Jesus is say, yeah, but it, it's still worth it. He misses out on a bunch, doesn't he? If we look at the life of Jesus, like he doesn't get to the end and go, yeah, well, I, I got to check off that, that cool hike. You know, I, I got that cabin by the lake. You know, I, I had the, the spouse and the family, and I had all the friends that I wanted. And, man, life was, was just great. And, I, you know, I'm dying in my 90s in natural causes. No. He died young. He died betrayed. He died without experiencing many of the pleasures that the, that the world would say that these are pivotal or these are, the, the, are paramount. Why? Because his eyes are cast beyond what is here, beyond the temporal. And he says, I know that there is something worth it beyond the sun. I know that living life in the kingdom is worth it because there is more than what I can perceive. There's more than my five senses are aware. He knows that it will be worth it. And so what can we learn about this? And so what do we as a church, what, what, what can we take? And if I can speak personally, just kind of what I've been challenged with this last week. 
So see that Jesus moves toward the fringes without concern for reputation. So if you grab a leper in Jesus' context, if you were to go and invite a Gentile to come into your house, or if you were to go and touch a woman, there were going to be ceremonial and social implications for that, none of which were positive. But Jesus is far less interested in the ceremony and far more interested in the kingdom, and so he says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to touch that leper. I'm going to go to that Gentile's house if he'll let me. I got no problem breaking some social stigma so that I can uphold someone's dignity and bring them into the kingdom of God. And in some ways you go, yeah, but isn't that like disobeying what he was supposed to obey? Then we read so that, um, about the, you know, so that it will be fulfilled. So there's this prophecy about the Messiah, that he was going to bear the burdens of the afflicted. And a lot of times we think that that's just the cross, that's just on Calvary, that's just Easter time that he bears our afflictions, but we read that throughout Jesus' life, he's taking the sins of the people so that they can be clean. And so it makes me think, do I think that he's just a good teacher or is he really the Lord? Am I really submitting my life? And, and I've got to be honest, like, it's tough when I think about that to go and reach out to the people that are easier to forget. And we see that he uses a very unlikely group of people to accomplish his mission. And this is where I get a little bit of hope, right? As I look out and I, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, I care deeply about each and every one of you. And I'm sold out for this church. Like, I, I, I love this church. I love being here. It's an honor to be your pastor. I can't think of any other place that I'd rather be, any other job that I'd rather do. Like, I love being here, and it's an honor to be here and to serve you. And as I look out and I think about what we get to do, what we, what we get to just, we have a shot at, is exemplifying what Jesus is saying here. He's like, hey, look, I've, I've got these people and you've got some unique gifts. And yeah, you've got some differences. And yeah, it might not always go super smoothly. And yeah, someone's going to betray another you know, person where there's going to be some backstabbing. And it's, it's also encouraging as a pastor when you go, like if Jesus himself couldn't keep himself from getting betrayed and like turned over to die by one of his, like his elder board, like, you know, I think as long as none of y'all kill me, like we'll be okay. You know? But at the end of the day, it gives me great hope when I think about the opportunity that we have to serve in the area that we do, to come together as people, to grow and know one another on a deeper relational level, but also to grow in our ability to be on mission together, to serve the area around here, to serve Greater Brainerd Lakes to send people out who will make disciples of all the nations, whether that's right here in 56401 or in any one of the seven continents on the planet. And so it fills me with great hope that we get to do this together. It's a reminder that it's messy, but it's worth it. It's dangerous, but it's worth it. It will take work, but it's worth it. And it's a good reminder that I like to say, you know, people, 
people ask me about, you know, what I do, and it's like, well, you know, Jesus is the boss, I just work here. It's a reminder that Christ is the head and he's also the example. That prayer is our power, that our gifts are to be used for God's glory, and that we're to go out and we're to do this with a community. Not just in, but with a community. So Christ is our head, prayer is our power, our gifts are for God's glory, and we're to do this with community. And so it begs the question for me, do I believe that Jesus has good things to say or that he's Lord? Am I the head of my own kingdom or am I participating in Jesus's? Am I willing to follow Jesus to the fringes, to the lepers of society, to the outsiders, to those who have not been invited in or are a little bit weird to be around? And does my audacity for drawing closer to the Lord look like the people that would have ripped off a roof or elbowed their way through a crowd or asked something as great as, Lord, will you bring my daughter back from the dead? Will you follow me to these places? It's not always going to be pretty. We're not always going to get it right. Can we give it a shot? Can we go to those places and be those people that Jesus' kingdom might come? I think we can. For Christ is our head. Prayer is our power. Our gifts are for his glory. And we here have a community. Pray with me. Lord, we are so thankful that you are one who goes and bids us to come. And when we've come, you tell us to go. There isn't a place that you've called us to go that you haven't already gone. And so Lord, would we just, like a child following their father through the snow, would we just put our our steps in yours and follow your prints that we would imprint the world. We thank you for your spirit that through prayer you convict and you guide us to where we should go. Lord, it amazes me that you've created so many people, the billions and billions of people, each unique, each bearing your mark, each made for your glory. And despite all the differences and preferences and opinions and personalities, you're calling us into community and communion with you and to go out as a community on mission for you. May we do this in your name and for your glory. Amen. We can all stand together and we'll sing together. We're going to sing the same song that we saying just before Pastor Mike came up and spoke. Give me Jesus, and I think after that, kind of, it's not just give me Jesus, it's choosing to follow Jesus.
We serve a God who comes and bids us to go. Goes to the scary places into the great places. It will be tough, but there will be reward. So may we follow his example this week, going to the places and bringing back dignity to those who have been forgotten with audacity of those who have followed him before, remembering that God doesn't use the extraordinary, but rather the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. Go in peace.